Well, guys, it's my privilege and honor to introduce to you our guest speaker. It was almost five years to the day that uh, he last spoke at Reload because he relocated. Um, Pastor Eric Sipperly used to be on staff here for about five years, and so now he's been in a new assignment for the last five years based in Nashville, Tennessee. So he's come all the way from Nashville to bring a word to us this morning. But I tell you, Pastor Eric is one of my closest friends, but he's not just a friend. He's a brother in the Lord, and uh, he's just been a true blessing in my life. This guy totally follows after God's heart. Um, I don't know anyone really that really lives the life that Jesus has laid out in the gospel for us to live. Um, There was a lawyer that came to Jesus one time, and he said, what's the greatest commandment? Um, in the law, and Jesus said to love God and to love your neighbor. And this guy just really puts it into action by loving God, loving his wife, loving his kids, loving his neighbor, loving his friends, and loving the people he's never met before. And uh, please give a warm welcome to Pastor Eric Sipperly as he comes to bring the word to us this morning. All right. Good morning. Uh, I love technology. I had notes all printed out, and then I made some changes, and then I leave Nashville, and I forget my notes. So I thought, oh, I'll have my laptop because this is a working vacation, and uh, my computer decided to do whatever it wanted to do today. So I'm going to stall for a couple of minutes. And anyways, it is good to be back. Um, just to reiterate a little bit, um, I, I, I want to uh, share something. Because, yeah, I was here on staff, loved my job, loved what I was doing, um, happy, happy, happy. I mean, life was very, very good. But you know what? Sometimes the Lord will stir in you something. And the Lord stirred in my bride and I, which, by the way, today's our anniversary. So thank you. It's been 36 years, 11 months, two weeks, and four days. And, um, but every day's an anniversary with her. Um, but you know what? It's, we, sometimes when you get that, I mean, we, we got this nudge in us that something different was coming on the horizon, had no idea what it was. And so it can be fearful. At least it was for us. So I did the next best thing. Pastor Tom, I need to talk. Something stirred in me. Okay. Let's pray. And we, would just, we prayed about it. And for several months, we just prayed. And I said, I don't know what what it is I'm doing. I have no idea what's going on, what God's up to. But I give you my word. I will not pursue anything. I'm not going to go out looking. I'm not going to go send out resumes. I mean, maybe the change was just going to be something right here. You know, maybe I was going to, who knows what. I mean, I would have done whatever the Lord said. And then this opportunity for the company I'm working with now, and I'm a commercial real estate broker. Figure that out. I go from doing that to uh, commercial real estate. Um, But when we made the change, I mean, everything just God orchestrated so many things, boom, 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 that it worked out. And people, you know, when we announced, you know, five years ago that I was gonna be transitioning, I had people come to me and say, I just, I don't understand it. How how can you be in ministry and, and leave that and not do that? 
And I remember telling the CEO of the company I now work for, because when I went out finally to meet with him, and he said, well, Eric, I'm, I'm looking at your resume, and you've got a lot of ministry. And this is a basically a faith-based company. We have Bible study, national Bible study every Wednesday morning. Uh, we go to our national brokers meetings. We open up with praise and worship. By, I mean, it's, it, this place is on point. But he said, he goes, Eric, so um, you're, uh, you've had a lot of years of ministry. How can you leave ministry and come work a secular job? And I literally, guys, I was sitting in his chair. I pushed my chair back and I said, I'm really confused. I said, I'm, 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 I don't get this. I said, I thought y'all were a faith-based company. I said, I got into ministry when I said yes to Jesus, not because my paycheck came from a church. And he goes, I want you on my team. And I said, good, what do you do? And that literally, guys, I mean, after uh, a couple of interviews, uh, meeting with some of the, the VPs of the company, meeting with him, I had no idea what they did. All I knew was they did something with real estate. That's it. I didn't know what I was going to be doing. Um, quite candidly, I didn't even know where I was going to be doing it. And uh, lo and behold, I said, I'll, I accept. I'll take the job. I went down to my car. I called my bride. I'm crying and sobbing. And I'm like, oh, you know, I, I, I took the job, and, and we're going to be moving. And, and she's like, oh, good. And then I get to the airport to fly home. Pastor Tom calls, and well, and I said, well, I took the position. Amen. I'm happy for you, brother, because I'm still in ministry. I'm still meeting with people, talking with people, praying for people, trying to share Christ, and... Um, Life has been very, very good. So don't ever think, you know, being on staff at a church is a step up in ministry. Saying yes to Jesus is a step up. And then when we bow down and say, okay, Lord, help me, you know, that's when he's going to promote and use and do great and mighty things. So anyways, that's a quick update. Uh, my bride, she's just as amazing as ever. Uh, did I tell you what's our anniversary today? And... Uh, you know, she sends her love. She was going to come and sit in the back. And, and then I said, well, babe, you know, we're going to have to be there at 630. And she's like, okay, so that's like 530 Nashville time. Now you just go, you know, it's one hour time difference. But it's funny because we are like due south of y'all. So I don't know why there's such a crazy time change. And Tennessee is a goofy state because we have two time zones in Tennessee. And it's never any fun. But all of that said, it is good to be here. It is great to see a lot of familiar faces, a lot of new faces. You are in a great place. Anywhere you could be on a Tuesday morning, you pick the best place to be. And uh, this is just a, a great, great ministry. Uh, I know many of you, uh, both from just being a part of this group for years, um, you, you're, you're, you're in a great, great place. And I love this church. I love Pastor Tom. And uh, I love the opportunity that I have to be here today. And my computer's almost up. So um, we're going to get jumping into this. Um, I entitled today's chat called, Psst, I Have a Secret. Remember as a kid, did you ever get a secret? Anybody ever tell you, hey, I got a secret. Come here. What's the first thing you did when somebody told you a secret? Be honest. 
He went and told everybody else, hey, uh, hey, let me tell you, I'm not supposed to say anything, but, you know, or has anybody ever come to you and said, hey, I, I, I want to tell you something, but you got to promise, you can't tell anybody. What do you do? Hey, now listen, I made a promise to him, I wasn't going to tell anybody. People would come to me and say, hey, can I, can I tell you something, but you can't tell a soul? Nope. I don't want to hear it, because I don't trust me. I've got a big mouth. I talk, and sometimes stuff just, you know, comes out. I don't do it on purpose, but it just happens because that's just what I do. And, but yet there are some secrets that are phenomenal. Or as we say in Nashville, P-H-E-nominal. It's just, they're, they're great secrets to have. So today we're going to talk about, I have a secret. And I want to open up talking about, a guy that maybe you know, maybe you don't, by the name of Obed-Edom. Anybody here know who Obed-Edom is? Scared to raise your hand? Afraid I'm going to call? Oh, well, all right. Who's Obed-Edom? Bingo, all right. <laughs> Thank you for coming, and uh, please say hi bye as you leave. Yeah, Obed-Edom. So the Ark of the Covenant had been in the hands of the Philistines, and then it ended up in Obed-Edom's house. But how it got there is interesting because David was so stoked to go back and reclaim the ark. Remember King David? And so he went and he took 30,000 guys with him. And he was going to go get the ark of the covenant, bring it back to Jerusalem. But David, in his young and, and ambitious ways, went and got a cart drawn by oxen. They grabbed the ark, put it on the, on the cart, and started trekking back to, to Jerusalem. And David was stoked until... The oxen stumbled, the cart jiggled, and the ark started to slide, and then a guy by the name of Uzzah reached out and grabbed it. <laughs> Bad move. Because what happened to Uzzah? Dropped dead. David looked at that and he got, uh-uh, not doing it. Don't want that thing in my house. David instantly became fearful of the ark. And so... He's like, okay, boys, let's go. Obed-Edom, you can have it. So Obed-Edom kept it in his house. And for three months, he was blessed beyond measure with children, with wealth, with happiness, with everything you can think of. Obed-Edom was just incredibly, incredibly blessed. And David realized that. I mean, he's getting the reports about, what, hey, what's going on over at OB's house? And he's like, man, I don't know, but he, he, he's pumping kids out like, like rabbits. And he's got money, you know, like just flowing. And uh, so David's like, well, you know what? Maybe that ark, it's not that bad of a deal. Let's go back and get the ark and let's bring it back. So they did. This time David obeyed the rules. He brought the ark back. That's where, you know, he was even filled with more joy, started dancing so much. His clothes kind of fell off and he's in his uh, ephod or also known as uh, Jerusalem underwear. His wife got ticked off at him, but the ark of the covenant was back in Jerusalem and David was excited. Now what's the story about the ark? We're not going to talk about that, but what we are going to talk about is what the ark represented, which was God's presence. And when we talk about the presence of God, when we talk about what that is, my question is, do you want God's presence? Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, do you understand that in God's presence, there's no sin? Do you understand in God's presence, there's no darkness? Do you understand that God abhors evil thoughts, 
sin, everything you can think of. That's what David saw. David saw, uh oh, we don't obey the rules. And that guy died. David knew who he was. He's like, uh oh, I've got stuff. Can I really risk being in God's presence? There are things, or are there things in our life that are more captivating than God's presence? Our jobs, our hobbies. Those of you that know me well know that I live, eat, sleep, drink, and breathe two things. Michigan, which by the way, can you change these green lights to blue? I'm just having a, a bad thing up here. <laughs> I love Michigan. Go blue. And football or fishing. I, I could fish every day, all day. My bride and I went on a vacation one time. I literally, for 17 hours, sat on the surf fishing. We're in this great exotic resort, and all I wanted to do was fish. I didn't care about nothing. I mean nothing. And, um, but yet, are there things in our, our lives that are more entertaining or captivating than the presence of God? What if God came to you and he said, hey, I want to meet you and fill you with my joy, my peace, my wisdom, fuel for your soul, guidance for your family. Would you arrange your schedule for that? Would you say, you know what? I, I would do that. What are you going to cut out? What are you going to put in the place of? Sometimes our schedules get so busy. Anybody in here ever been busy? Okay, nobody, you're all a bunch of lazy sloths. No, we're all busy. We get going and going and going and think we got to, you know, get things figured out. But do you realize the spiritual impact your busyness in life has? I'm going to say something, and I'm not saying it to be mean, but my assumption is if we really understood how the busyness of life in, impacted us spiritually, we would change right now everything would change too often our spiritual foundation will crumble and things get all out of kilter um, when we face life's issues why is that because we think we've got to figure this out we've got to solve whatever it's like uh oh this is this is what's going on and, and i got to fix it when i first moved to nashville and doing commercial real estate i had this big deal and i mean it was sweet I mean, big payday, big everything. I was so excited. I'm like, baby, we're, we made it. It's like, ah. Oh, was I happy until the deal fell apart. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh. Okay, I, I've got to fix this right now. I mean, I'm calling every banker I knew. I called. I mean, I'm chewing out the broker. I'm talking to my doctor, trying to make amends with him. I'm like, hey, doc, I'm so sorry. But, you know, this is, you know, making a bunch of excuses as to it, why the deal blew up. The doctor wasn't happy. He was upset. He was like, I just don't understand how this could happen, Eric. Yeah, me either. <laughs> I'm confused. And I'm trying to fix it, and I'm trying to, to, to do whatever I can. And, I mean, I ran myself ragged for literally four days straight. And I'm just beside myself. I'm going to talk about that a little more later, though. But in Psalm chapter 91, does anybody know that verse by heart? He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall what? Shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. 
God will meet with you and reveal himself to you if you're willing to dwell with him. Don't raise your hand to this question, but has God ever seemed far away? Who moved? He said he'd never leave us or forsake us. But yet when we go through the cares of life and every day doing what we're doing, all of a sudden it's like, God, where are you? Who moved? We need to spend time in the secret place. Why? Because it's in the secret place is where we learn to hear the voice of God when he speaks to us and we understand and get understanding of what he's saying. Now, some of you in here know each other well that, you, you know, we could put a wall up and you could say hello and you're going to know who it is, right? Because you know their voice. But yet other people, when we don't know the voice, stranger. It's like, okay, I'm sure they're a nice person, but we don't know them. Revelation 3 and 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. What does the next line say? Anyone who opens the door and recognizes me, I will come in. Right? Wrong. Anyone who hears my voice, I will open the door. In biblical times, you know, we see several illustrations where people knocked. They did not have a literal knock on the door, and then you open the door, oh, hello, welcome. No, you approached the door, a house, or whatever, and said, hello, is anybody home? And they would recognize you. That was the biblical knock. That's how they greeted and went to one another. They didn't have a ring doorbell. It's like, okay, let me see on my phone. All right, oh, yeah, okay, no. Honey, hide. <laughs> it's Pastor Tom. No. That was recognized by their voice. You remember when Peter had been arrested? Two squadrons of soldiers on either side of him. He's bound in chains and prison, guards and everything else going on. And then there was a whole bunch of the people praying. And then there was the earthquake and the earth shook. And, and the, or no, with Peter, an angel came in and loosed the chains. And Peter got up and he's like, okay, where am I going to go? Okay, I'm going to go to Mary's house because I know, you know, Mary's a good godly person. And there's been a prayer meeting going on there. And Peter shows up and a young girl by the name of Rhoda, the Bible says when she recognized his voice. She didn't even open the door, but she ran to tell everybody, hey, Peter's here. She didn't open the door to see that it was Peter. She recognized his voice when he knocked on the door. God's knocking on your heart's door. Do we know his voice? So what is the secret place? The secret place is a place where we can spend time in God's word. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate upon it therein day and night and observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. In our house down in Nashville, Tennessee, every morning, I'm a very early riser. Usually by 4.35 o'clock, I'm awake. And I go into my office and I do some devotion time. And then my bride, she'll get up about 6.30, uh, will come out. Uh, I always start out with a squeeze and a kiss. And then we just say, okay. And she goes her way, I go my way. The praise and worship music is playing. And we're spending time in our secret place. We're spending time in the word. We're talking to God. We're listening to God. We're saying, God, what's going on today? God, what do you have for today? What do I need today to be a good husband to my bride? 
Lord, talk to her really good about this because she needs to be. No, I never do that. I don't try to manipulate God. But we have these conversations with God. And I'll sit down and I'll say, hey, God, do you know my situation? Isn't that a funny question to ask God? God, do you know what's going on in my life right now? <laughs> yes. Don't be stupid, Eric. He knows everything. But yet when I sit down and acknowledge and say, okay, God, do you, do you kind of know what I'm going through? It's not always the, 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 the minutia of what I'm going through more than what's going on in my head right now. Because I'm trying to figure, God, I'm trying to figure this out. Or I'll say, God, do you even really care? Of course he cares. But when God and I talk, it's like, okay, God, do you, do you know my situation? Mm -hmm, I know it, Eric. I know what you're going through. Do you care? Absolutely I care. And then you listen for his response. Remember the deal I talked about earlier that I lost that was huge and I was all excited? I took that to my secret place and I said, God, I know this is a dumb question, but why? What's going on? Do you know what's going on? And he's like, no, tell me about it. No, he didn't say that. But I sat there that morning and it's like the Lord just poured into me a, str a strategy, a conversation a way to do something that I've never, I mean, I've, number one, I've never done any commercial real estate. So it's all brand new. I learn stuff every day. And when I, the deal blew up, I called some of my colleagues. And I'm like, what do I do? And they're like, I don't know. When you figure it out, let us know. And uh, I came up with this, or not I, but the Lord deposited in me this crazy idea that I literally just started going almost door to door, looking at buildings and saying, hey, who's the owner here? Well, this isn't great. Call him. I want to buy your building. It's not for sale. Well, that's not your decision to make. I want to buy the building. Well, yeah, but, but Eric, it's not for, I understand. But would you call the owner, please? Hey, Mr. Owner, hi, my name is Eric Zipperly, and I'm a commercial broker with Carr, and, and I'm working with a client right now, and you know what? you got a great building. I love your building. Your building is amazing. Want to sell it? No. Why not? In today's economy right now, with what the prices are doing, blah, 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 I mean, God just, it was like, wasn't even me. You know what? I think I'd like to sell that building, young man. Great, we'll buy it. Done. Just like that. I never would have had that trying to figure it out on my own, what to do, how to do, where to do. But yet, in that time, having that conversation with God, he dumped it in me. Worshiping. Again, our house is filled with worship. Our house is a secret place 24-7. Worship can change the environment you're in. Remember the story of Paul and Silas? In a prison, they've been beaten, flogged, thrown in prison for doing good things, but yet in that midnight hour, they started to worship. And as they worshiped, the earth shook. They were set free to where the jailer's like, uh-oh, they're all gone. I'm going to kill myself. No, wait, don't do that. I mean, you even start loving your enemies when you're, when you're worshiping. That's something we never talk about in that story, but yet think about it. You got beat, you got thrown in prison, wrongly accused, and the guy that's guarding you, all you want to do is get out, and he's going to take his own life. You're thinking, yeah, sucker, serves you right. No, 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 don't kill yourself, dude. Don't do that. We're here. We'll stay. Because he was full of so much love because the worship changed that environment. What happened to that jailer? He ended up coming to Christ. He ended up becoming a believer. Too often we think the, every enemy we have is from, from the devil. Think about it, folks. Maybe they were put in your place in, in, in front of you for a reason. Maybe you're going to be the one that's going to lead them to. 
But that comes through spending time in that secret place, knowing God, worshiping, being with God. When you enter into the presence of God and you get filled up with him, again, you have the power to change your environment. I know nobody in this room has ever, ever said this, but I just wished I worked for a Christian company like you. Dude, be the light. Be the ark. Be the presence of God to where men, people, your colleagues are coming to you saying, man, what, what is it? What, why, why are you just so happy all the time? Nothing seems to phase you. Yeah, I know a guy. I use that line all the time. I'll share with the table I was sitting at this morning. I've had doctors come up to me and say, dude, man, you just always seem to be on top of the world. I know a guy. And that's it. And they're like, what? And I said, yeah. And he doesn't give me the good stuff. He gives me the great stuff. His name is Jesus. Let me tell you about him. And they're like, dude, would you pray for me? Mm, okay. But how does that happen? It doesn't come because, oh, well, I, you know, did this, that, or the other. It comes because when I'm spending time with the Lord in that secret place, talking, communing, fellowshipping with God, saying, Lord, today is your day. I remember this prayer I used to pray quite often. Lord, I just thank you for this day. It is so amazing. I thank you, God, that you were with me. You didn't leave me. I didn't commit any sin. I didn't lust after any woman. I didn't lie. I didn't cheat. I didn't steal. I didn't even say a single curse word. But God, I'm about to get out of bed and start the, the fullness of the day, so I need your help. No, it's being in that secret place. It's being in that place to where God can do what he wants to do in your life. When you enter the secret place, yes, you get filled up with God. In Psalms 39, verses 19 and 20, it says, Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you, in the presence of your sons and men, you shall hide them in the secret place of your presence from the plots of men. You got people tongue wagging about you, cursing against you, speaking against you. Get in the secret place. God will shut their mouths because God will fill you with his love and joy. You look at them differently. You look at people the way Christ looks at people. If you want the presence with someone, you have to invite them in. It's the same with God. We've got to invite them in. You've got to carve out the time. You've got to make room. We have to get beyond just doing church. Reload's great, guys. But if this is all there is, you're in trouble. Every day you want to spend time with the Lord, getting filled up with him. And I'm just going to close with this. And this is exclusively for the men in this room, whether you're married or you want to get married. How, how many of you in here are married? Let me see. All right. How many of you want to be married? How come so many hands went down? <laughs> All right. Maybe we need to come back next time and talk about marriage, Pastor Tom. No. <clears throat> Let me tell you, you, you want to you wanna flip your, your, your wife's switch? Be the spiritual leader God's called you to be. You want to, you women are looking for security. They don't care about money. They want a spiritual leader in their home to lead your kids, to lead your family. Guys, start getting into that secret place. Start sitting around the table with your family. Um, real quick, there's a family that we met in, in Nashville, and um, they don't even go to our church, but they said, hey, we're having problems in our marriage. Can you help us? And I'm like, I don't know. 
I don't know what your problems are. Well, we found out real quick what their problems were. It, it was, it was a, a nightmare. And so we just said, well, here, here's the first thing you're going to need to do. And those of you that know me, we always give homework out to people if we work with a couple and say, well, if you do this, then we'll talk more. If you don't, STBY. That's Nashvilleian for sucks to be you because we're not going to meet with you anymore. And um, so we talked about setting up family devotions every night, sitting around the table, reading a little scripture and spending time together. And the guy said, I've never done that. I said, great, let me buy you a book. Bought him a book. They started doing it. Two weeks later, they called and they said, our, our family is amazing what God is doing. No, it's because now you're spending that time. Spending that time as a father, as a husband in the secret place, and as a family. So with that, my last word is this. Time spent with God is not time spent alone. Psst, I've got a secret. Do you want in? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, that you desire to dwell with us. Even more so, Lord, than I think we can even understand or comprehend. You want to just sit and, and lavish in our fellowship. Lord, I pray for these men. Um, Lord, I don't know their situations or what they're going through, but I do know, God, that you've got wisdom and instruction and guidance for them as they lock themselves away, as they get away just to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. You are the Most High. Let your presence fill the room. Let your presence fill that time, whether it's in their car or truck or wherever they're at, Lord. And as they speak to you, speak to them. Let them learn to hear that voice, that still small voice that says, whether you turn to the left or the right, your ears will hear a voice and say, this is the way, walk ye in it. Father, I expect to hear about testimonies of changes that have taken place individually and as families as now we line up according to your word. And Lord, I thank you that you will bring them success, abundance, and fruit in Jesus' name. Amen.